Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by Two Notes Audio Engineering. Two Notes is a leader in the market for loadbox, cabinet, and mic simulators. Gone are the days of having ISO rooms or having to record an amp at ear-bleeding volumes to capture that magic tone. The Torpedo Live, Reload, and Studio allow you to crank your amp up as loud as you want, but record silently. Check out www.2-notes.com for more info. And now your hosts, Joe Wanasek and A.L. Levy. All right, well, welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast. I am A.L. Levy. With me is co-host Joe Wanasek. Joey Sturges is, is off training dolphins. Still on training vacation. dolphins? Yeah, that's what you do when you go on vacation for a long time. Ah, I thought he was petting sea otters, but fine. Training that dolphins, too. I'll settle for that. The longer you're on vacation, the more likely you are to start doing stuff involving wild animals it is true um when i was in russia i think i saw three dolphin shows which were actually all kind of the same thing but since they were in different locations for some reason i felt like they would be different but they weren't you know what what were the dolphin shows did they just like do flips and like wave yeah they jump through hoops on fire and shit and bounce balls off their nose and then like everybody cheers and they play really loud music and uh, it's fun. So I guess that like the uh, the Sea World hate hasn't hit Russia yet. <laughs> <laughs> sea World hate. Yeah, there's... I guess I'm not from Florida, so I don't know about this. Sea no, World there's hate. a whole movement trying to shut down Sea World because they think that it's cruel and inhumane to make orca ah, orcas wave people. to make orcas wave at you <laughs> well i mean it's like you take an apex predator and then you make it do, <laughs> you, you make it do stupid little tricks and wave it's <laughs> kind of hilarious but all right let's uh let's talk about other stuff that's hilarious this is mix crit monday let's start with a mix by mr charlie monroe this is a song called panthalassa
and that was Panthalassa by Charlie Monroe. And uh, I gotta say, God damn, those synths are loud. <laughs> you started with the synths, huh? Well, I've got other stuff to say, but like, I'm just thinking like, it sounds to me like he was making those his priority. Yeah, I mean, I think all of these mixes this week here. I mean, we haven't listened. You guys haven't listened to the other two yet, and we haven't discussed them. But I think all, overall, you know, these are definitely improvement over some of the ones we've done in the past but this one i think needs the most work if that makes sense yeah it definitely needs some work it reminds me of a mix we had by alex nasla of about a year ago where it was like all harpsichord <laughs> dude that mix is infamous like i text him all the time and i'm like alex that mix dude like that harpsichord 3 db louder <laughs> well charlie uh turn your synths down it's just there's other things that i was thinking like i think that the kicks are super buried the cymbals are super buried except for the ride snares over compressed sounds like a trash can there's like no <laughs> no low end push on this snares way loud i'm hearing the high end of the bass stick out too much it's kind of like he's using the right technique on the bass but in the wrong way so i'm here I, like it sounds like the bass is split i can't tell but i'm just here yeah i'm gonna agree with you al on pretty much everything you oh, thank say. you thank you thank you it just sounds like there's some weird grainy mids of the bass that are just kind of like sticking out weird and like it's yeah but there's no bass no like the, the whole mix doesn't have any low end to it yeah you know i've noticed that on a few mixes this time around that the low end is just weird i man i don't know like I wonder how that happens, like, where there's literally zero low end. I have to say that I think it's probably a listening environment issue. Though I know that, like, for instance, uh, John Douglas, when he was learning how to mix, he was afraid of fucking up low end, so he would purposely under-mix it, and his listening environment was fine. He just had, like, a low end uh, phobia, I guess, which yeah. he controlled. He now has it. Now his mixes sound great. But like there was a low end hole for a while. His mixes just because he was afraid of fucking it up. So he just, I guess, subconsciously undermixed it. Well, I have another opinion too on this. I think that I agree with you that definitely there could be some listening environment issues. But I also feel like in terms of the actual learning curve of mixing. What separates the men from the boys, to me, is always that massive, tight, round bottom end. And that's like the number one hallmark, in my opinion, of just an absolutely well-mixed, crushing song. And all the A-list guys, they have badass low end. And you immediately notice it when you hit play. Uh, and you can hear it. They're all masters of the low end. They know how to make them low end translate. They know how to make it give you goosebumps and raise the hairs off your arm. And a lot of times, I feel like in order to learn to get that good at low-end management, it's just something that takes years and lots and lots of experience. And, you know, people will overcompensate, they'll undercompensate, they'll try a bunch of different tricks. But in the end, there's a certain level of experience, I feel like, that comes in, as well as having the correct listening environment because of translation. So I think there's probably some of that going on. Like, he may be actually struggling with a lot of the low-end because when I listen to this whole mix, right, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, like, the kick drum is buried, but where's the punch? There's there's no energy driving the track, right? And then I listen to the bass, and I hear the swank and the clank, and it's up there and it's jamming. Like, I can hear the note of the bass, but what I can't hear is the actual bass part of the bass, which to me defeats the entire purpose of the instrument. So 
he's got to get some low end on his kick. He's got to get some low end on his base. And that to me is like the very, other than the balance issues is structurally the first thing that's wrong with this mix. So if he gets that right, meaning like there actually is bottom end on this mix and it has some energy and it punches together, aside from working out like the major balance issues, like the synths, this mix is definitely going to come up probably like 40 to 50% in actual quality. Yeah, I totally agree. And when splitting the bass, I know that you told me that you've never had this problem, but I've had this problem. I know that Andrew Wade had this problem. Sometimes you can uh, end up with a bass that sounds like two separate instruments, uh, meaning like you have a sub-instrument and you have a high distorted instrument, and they don't they don't sound like they're the same instrument. And it's something that you need to learn how to how to do right. Uh, you need to work those crossovers better because you don't want them to sound like two separate instruments. That's not the goal. And what I'm hearing here is that it does... Like, I can hear that there's the low-end bass. It's just super, super neutered. So it, And it does sound like it's two separate instruments. So what I'm hearing is this weird mid-range attacky sort of thing kind of like playing around with the guitars and i know it's a bass because i know what i'm listening to but that's not what it's supposed to sound like yeah you know what the other thing that's really crazy al is that when the sub drops come in they actually have just a massive sub push and the mix sounds so unbalanced and so obviously wrong when those come in because the sub drop doesn't just hit drop the sub and kind of like meld away and fade back into the track it's like you get this massive sub drop you're like hell yeah but then there's no balls to back it up. Like the mix doesn't still sound heavy. It just sound you can actually hear like the structural incompleteness of the bottom end. It, it's just not there. So it's like it drops off and it's just like what happened. Well, it's like it shows you the contrast. Like it you get to hear like a full low end for the first time and then it's like what happened. Yeah, it's like it literally points out the deficiency in the mix and it draws attention to the fact that it's not correct. I guess that's my point in a yep. much more concise fashion. It just needs it needs something like the sub drop should kind of like melt into the into the bass guitar. You should still you should have enough body in the kick and the bass where when the sub drop hits, you can hear that there's a sub drop, but it isn't like sub drop and then it just fades out and there's nothing left on the bottom end. It's just like a high pass mix. Yeah, and by the way, the way that I work that in, I know there's a few different ways to do this, but the way I do it is I'll throw a multi band on the. Uh, low end instruments in the mix like the low end of the kick and the uh, bass guitar and I will side chain them to the sub drop Interesting. Um, just the low just the subs you know so that when the sub drop happens it ducks the low end of the kick and the bass and then as the sub drop decreases in volume the low end of the kick and the bass you know come back up so that it doesn't ever feel like there was a drop off in low end. It works very, very nicely, and uh, but that's counting on the fact that your low end of your kick and your bass guitar are you know good to begin with. Yeah, you know what's interesting, and you may not believe me, but I've actually never done that. Meaning that I've always never had to do any sort of trick to get my sub drops to sit, because for me, I always focused on really dialing in my bottom EQ. And creating enough headroom and space down there, because like I said, I usually, you guys have definitely seen me mix by now, if you're part of Nail the Mix, if you're not, you should definitely sign up. But 
what I mix, I really focus a lot on creating enough headroom in my bottom end. So when a sub drop does come in, I can still have massive bass because a lot of the bass frequencies that are being affected by the sub drop, meaning like 80 and down, are open. It's just a lot of kick bottom right there. There's not a massive amount of just untamed bottom end. So I've never actually had to like tame mine like that. Except like maybe very way back in the beginning, sometimes I used to have to automate. But I mean, this is like eight years ago or something like that before I actually knew how to mix. So you can do it either way, but I think it's very important because sub drops are a very telltale sign for this type of metal mixing where the sub drop comes in and you can tell right away if like the sub drop is screwed up and you can't hear it or if it completely overpowers the mix or starts clipping the master, then there's usually some structural deficiencies in the mix in the bottom and that need to be addressed. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the snare. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you think about that? Well, 3 dB too loud, at least. And Absolutely. And it sounds like there's, I don't know, like I hear transbeat and, and high end, but I don't hear any punch or body. Like it sounds like a wooden spoon hitting a, a bowl of mashed potatoes. You know, it's kind of like snap, splat, and there's no like uh, crack, punch, thud, you know, body to it. It just needs to be revisited. Like, I don't know, it sounds completely out of place for the rest of the song. Yeah, it it totally is distracting. Yeah, add some 200 or something like that. It just needs some body or roll back some top maybe and uh, maybe chill out on the reverb. I'm not exactly 100% sure without listening to it again in detail, but it definitely has a little bit too much top end, a little bit too much of that massive reverb splatty thing, and it just needs some punch. Like all of the, it almost sounds like all the body of it was EQ'd out, or like they, they uh, high high cut, like with a shelf, like 4 dB at 800 or something like that. Like there's just no body in the snare. It's really really interesting. I also think that. Uh it's we talked about this on the podcast the other day with Ehrman. Like I'm starting to get annoyed when I can hear a snare roll and it all sounds like the same sample. <laughs> like yeah. that always used to annoy me, but now it kinda it kind of annoys me even more. Um because there's so many options out there now to where you don't have to have snares that sound like that, even if you are programming your drums. So, you know, take the time. Make your snare rolls sound more real. Don't just let it sound like the same sample over and over and over again. And then you won't annoy me so much. And a less annoyed AL is a good AL. So <laughs> so with that, let's uh, move on to the next song. This is by Nikita Zinovich. It's a song called Brain Intimate. And I guess the band is called Hover.
Okay. That was Brain Intimate by Nikita Zinovich. And I gotta say, man, there's a low-end rumble coming from those guitars. If there was ever a good time to use multi-band compression to control the guitars, this would be it. Yeah, I'll definitely agree. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, while there's some, we'll call it like low-mid, upper-bottom issues, I feel like... The first thing that really poked out to my ear was the top end. There's a little bit of a harshness up there on like the 2 to 3K. I mean, even on the last mix, that's not something I, I mentioned actually now in retrospect, but I felt like everything, like all these mixes that we were going to crit here today, like they're all of them like the top end. It's just a little bit on the bright, but not in like the pleasant bright, but like the harsh bright. Like I something agree. of it kind of rings my ears and there needs to be some more subtle frequency work on the top. I mean, getting a mix really bright is very, very challenging and takes a lot of work and a lot of years of experience. I generally tend to mix very bright myself, but even, man, like it's, it's a struggle. Like no matter how much you practice it, getting that top end just right where it sounds smooth and easy to listen to, but you know, it's got some brightness to it and some aggression, that's, that's a real art. And it's something that, you know, no matter how many years you mix, you're still going to struggle with on and on and on. Well, it's just that whole the classic struggle of how do I get it bright without making it painful? Yeah, definitely. And then when getting rid of the pain points, how do I get rid of the pain points without neutering it? So, you know, and that takes forever. So I have an arrangement note on this. I know it's a mixed crit, but uh, this arrangement note, I feel like it affects the mix and that's that the drum beats and the riffs are very jerky oh yeah yeah they don't sound like they're very together and so it's hard to feel a pulse with this stuff and like i am very familiar with bands that use metric modulations and odd times and so i don't need my pulse handed to me or like fed to me with like a spoon you know like i don't need it to be four on the floor to feel a pulse but i'm just saying that this stuff is super jerky and it's hard to get a pulse from it and you're gonna have a hard time getting a low end that really pushes with this kind of stuff because it's like so all over the place and the elements aren't locking together it's gonna getting the low end right i feel like is uh it's like you're fitting puzzle pieces together and yes. the arrangement has to be there to allow those puzzle pieces to fit together. Even though you're doing it with frequencies, they need to be occurring, you know, over time, you know, at the same time. They need to be occurring over time in a, in a manner that allows you to even fit them together in the first place. And with them not being tight and them being jerky all over the place, you're. I feel like you'll never establish the right kind of low-end push on a mix like this. Just to pile on, I feel like one of the things I really struggle with with this style and genre, I mean, when it's done right, it's it's great and it's amazing, but I feel like a lot of times guitar players, especially in this genre or these types of genres that are very similar to this, they like to try to be all techy because they think that it's good by, like, oh, here, check out this riff. It's really technical. And, like, you know, all the guitar players are like, oh, yeah, dude, that's really sick. That's really cool. Like, it's got this really crazy syncopated rhythm. But the problem is that doesn't mean it's good. That doesn't mean, like you said, it has a groove. It has a head bob. Like, it's something that you're going to remember that you're going to want to move to if you're in a pit or something like that. It literally is just, like, really jerky. And it, it kind of, like, when I listen to it, it annoys me. But I don't know. Um, 
I've always liked big groove metal, you know, like if you listen to like classic Pantera or like Killswitch or, you know, like those bands had riffs and, you know, everybody that listens to metal pretty much knows what the riff to the song Walk sounds like. You know what I mean? Like it's very memorable. It's a cool riff. It's very unique. When I listen to a song like this, it's just like chaotic. It, it doesn't bounce. It doesn't groove. It's just too much like, here, look, I'm trying to write technical stuff just to write technical stuff. Okay, so. but like, let's take a band that is technical and does do odd times and stuff like okay, that. Okay, Periphery. Or Meshuggah. And those yeah. two bands. They pull it off. Oh, yeah, they pull it off like with flying colors. I mean, they're grooving the whole time and they're doing crazy patterns the whole time and their low end is tight as fuck and people can bob their heads to them even they might not be able to count it but they can certainly move to it yeah it's got a feel and a swing and that's i feel like the overarching theme here but i mean i know that's kind of like off topic but it's very very important because it, it affects the mix and it's hard to mix something that's just all over the damn place i mean it's it's definitely it's a challenge so i, I mean when you're mixing I know that I learned this one from from Mark Lewis is to you pick a tone riff, right? Pick a tone yeah. riff and then loop the tone riff or pick a tone part, a part that will allow itself to sound huge and nasty. And then you loop that and you work on that. So you don't pick the blast beat or something to be <laughs> dialing in your tones. You pick the, the tone riff and... The tone riff can only exist if the arrangement allows it to exist, right? Like yes. the you can't have the tone riff without the right arrangement for it. So it directly affects your mix. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. It's very important when you're mixing to really find. It's like, for example, when you're mixing, uh, let's just say, like a rock song. You know, starting with like a chorus or a part of the song where every instrument is playing that's going to be playing and everything's maxed out and trying to get that to sound massive as opposed to like starting in the verse of the song where there's like, you know, a very loose amount of like picking guitar and, you know, maybe some effects leads. There's not like a, a really like a riff going on. So it's hard to know how your rhythm based kick snare interaction is going to happen. So, I'm, yeah, that's a really great point. Another thing I really want to touch on in this mix, though, is the vocal top end. Now, like I said, the whole mix to me is a little bit harsh, but I feel like the vocals are extra sibilant in this song, and those mm -hmm. S's and stuff, they really pop out and make me go, ooh, you know, like that's really, it's really rough. So I feel like that needs special attention in this song, because aside from those couple of things, I don't really have a ton of notes on it other than, you know, the cymbals are a little bit harsh, and the vocals are just ragingly rough. Like, they need they need a lot of work in terms of, like, EQ or multiband or something like that. I've got some other notes on this song. Because if you keep listening, it goes to this clean section. And in this clean section, man, those toms sound paper thin. And then I started to realize that throughout the whole song, they just kind of sound literally paper thin. Like, I could flick them with my finger and maybe rip a hole in them. And then it sounds <laughs> like the... That's a really good analogy. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what it sounds like. They're hitting a piece of paper or something with some with like chopsticks. Chopsticks and paper and Chop wooden spoons and mashed potatoes. Yeah, chops, <laughs> chopsticks and paper. That's like you know, that's my new way for describing thin toms is chopsticks on paper. Food drums. <laughs> <laughs> so in this clean part, it literally sounds like the 
like they were afraid of the clean vocals. And if you're afraid of clean vocals, maybe you need a different vocalist because why bury the vocals under the effects? Why bury the... Metal cried, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, just don't have clean vocals then. The clean guitar is louder than the vocals. Like, the vocals are just so buried under everything. It's like, what what's going on here? So, um... It, maybe that was intentional. If it's intentional, you got to ask yourself, why would you feel the urge to make the vocal effects louder than the vocal? Why would you feel the urge to have the accompaniment part, the guitar, louder than the vocals? It's not like this was like a part where something really interesting is happening in the music and you just have like a background vocal, like a subtle thing. That wasn't it. This was like a lead vocal part. So oftentimes... When we don't want to admit something to ourselves, our subconscious will take over and influence our mix. And it's like, we don't want to admit to ourselves that we don't like our vocals, so we're just going to turn them down <laughs> and not realize that we're doing that. Or we're just going to turn that delay way the hell louder than it needs to be. <laughs> so Compensating, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just some food for thought there. Thank you for submitting. And now let's listen to... Another song. This is Prove Me Wrong by Bobby Ballow. Oh! 
Okay, that was Prove Me Wrong by Bobby Ballow. And man, that snare reverb is louder than the snare. <laughs> now, hold on. I know Bobby. He's from my hometown, so we're going to be extra brutal on him. Yeah, and Bobby, this is this hurts us more than it hurts you, but just know that we love you. <laughs> All right, let me just say, I hear a weird phasey sound on the snare. And the only time I've heard that weird phasey sound is when samples are blended and phasing weird, or when I'm just listening to the snare reverb alone. Like, sometimes our verb will sound like that when I'm like... Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, and that's why I was saying earlier that a snare reverb sounds louder than the snare. Maybe that's what I'm hearing. However, maybe I'm hearing that he blended samples and didn't correct, didn't align them properly. But then this brings me to something else. There is no low end in this mix at all. Like, it is just gone. Thank you. However, however, I can hear that there's low end elements in the mix, right? So I can hear that there's like a low bass that should have a big low end. So that's what I'm thinking. Maybe there's some phase problems in this mix all over the place. Um, it, like, it could be that his low end is canceling itself and that the snare is canceling some. Yeah, well, let's just start with the kick drum. I mean, if we want to go to the very, very bottom of this, like, for me, there's no sub. Like, the kick sub was kind of weak and, like, it doesn't drive the energy of the mix. But on the top end of the kick, aside from the bottom end, I felt like you, usually you can get away with a lot of different, like, really bright kicks in metal. But there's something about this particular kick and the way that it's EQ'd where, again, there's enough, there's like a 2 to 3K spike in it where it just kind of like knocks my ears in the wrong way and I feel like it needs to be EQ'd because I feel like you put the kick top in the wrong frequency in a way that it's harsh so every time that kick ticks it's kind of like my like I kind of like have a little bit of like a cringe reaction like ah ah you know like I got to turn the speakers down it's a little bit it's a little bit on the brutal side so the kick needs some balls but it also needs to be the attack needs to be shifted around a little bit in the frequency spectrum. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, I feel like, kind of like on the first mix, kind of in that range of the of the upper end of the kick, I'm also kind of hearing the bass guitar kind of like in that those upper mids in a weird way. And it's yeah. audible, and congrats on that. But man, there's some strange bass frequencies sticking out. It just sounds like this weird, cranky, mid-range thing that's kind of wanting to be a guitar, but kind of not. Yeah, I think the guitars are too boxy, so instead of being able to pick up some of that mid-range opening there where there'd normally be a hole, what happens is I feel like he put it in a range that it's a little bit of more of the harsher tone of the bass, and because it probably sounded really swanky, but the problem is it just doesn't sound... It's, it's not the right place to put it in the spectrum, so... I think he, if he readjusted his guitar EQ mid-range a little bit, he might get a little bit more bass note, and he might be able to then go and adjust his top end on the bass to make it a little bit more pleasing to listen to. Yep, I agree with that. And uh, how about those vocals? Is it just me, or do they need some help? Yeah, but one part in particular that really threw me is, what's up with those bridge vocals at 235? I mean, that reverb is so off from how it yeah. sounds. <laughs> it, it just it, I don't even know. Like Whatever plugin that is, immediately delete it from your computer and never use it again. It literally, it's it's pure rubbish. Like, it's <laughs> rubbish, wow. Yeah. Like, you even my assistant word. turned around and he's like working on some stuff and he's he's really, he's like, what the fuck is that reverb? And he's like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, Haha, there you go. So it's the wrong reverb. It literally sounds like the, someone set the mic up in the stairway or something and it just doesn't 
okay, a th big thing with reverbs is like, if you're gonna create an ambience in the song, that has to match. Okay, the first album I ever mixed, I sent over to uh, James Murphy. We all know James, right, Al? Oh, yeah. From back in the day. I was talking to James, and I was like, James, check out my mix. What do you think? And he's like, dude, your reverbs don't match on your toms, your kick, and your snare. You're, you don't have a cohesive drum sound. Like, you're, you know, just pick a reverb, damn it, and use it. And I feel like he just pulled some, I don't know, man. It sounds way out of place. Does not fit in the track. When the track comes in, it just sounds so vastly out of place after listening to that part it's just it's just completely the wrong effect for that part completely wrong and uh man okay so i want to say the vocals need to be tuned but it sounds like they kind of are tuned but then he does this weird yodeling thing where it's like <laughs> you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yes <laughs> okay yeah so there's this weird yodel and like I don't know what to make of it. Like I really just don't know what to make of it. Because yeah, like that's, it seems that's, like it yeah. would be a tuning catastrophe. But it sounds like the it sounds like the target note is in tune, but then it yodels to like these weird notes and like sometimes they're on and sometimes they're off. And when they're off it makes me want to stick an ice pick in my ears. But, like, so I don't know. I don't really know what to say about the yodeling other than, like, come on, stop yodeling. Yeah, like, whoop the singer's ass and make him do it again or something. I don't know. It's it's goofy. Something's definitely not right about it. I mean, I wouldn't have let those takes fly personally. Oh, hell no. Okay, I got one more massive issue. So, you know how we have, like, no low end on this mix? I can still hear the bottom end of the kick drum pumping the compressor on the faster kick stuff so like i feel like there's a little bit of a pumping going on in the mix i can hear it sucking and um on the faster kick stuff which is really weird because again there's not really that much bottom end going on down there but it's still tipping the compressor which leads me to believe he's hitting it a little bit hot until he messages me after he hears this and tells me he's he's only doing like a db of reduction or something like that so uh, you know if that's the case then it's probably like a frequency related thing like there's some sort of frequency in the sub that's just way out of whack and um you know tell him the just smacking the compressor in the wrong way bobby got a pizza shuttle application that joel's he's getting he's getting the local uh the local smash today <laughs> <laughs> you know i didn't go to pizza shuttle when i visited you last time and i don't want to go we don't want to end our damn careers man like come on <laughs> yeah so. we've worked hard <laughs> <laughs> no pizza shuttle so all right well no, i mean I'll just say, Bobby, aside from those issues, like the mix overall, it's it's pretty decent. You know, it's not like it's horrible. It's just some things or I should say for all these mixes, it may sound like we make a bigger deal out of the stuff that is. But really, we're picking like five to 10 percent. Like when you hit play and listen to these songs, none of them sound terrible. They're, they're like, oh, my God, this is completely messed up. So um, there's definitely, I think. I would, okay, I'll put it this way. I think it's important to just focus on these little details because sometimes, you know, a mix is a, a synergy of the parts, it's a summation. So a little bit here, a percent there, a percent there, and all of a sudden, boom, you've got a 30 or 40% change in your mix, and you really haven't done that much, but it's a difference between it being really, really good and not being, you know, being something that's, uh, you know, mix crit Monday material. Yeah, I think that these definitely don't sound terrible, but, like, these issues... 
are they're they're important enough for us to make a big deal out of in my opinion like i think that these issues will you know if they get this stuff under control these will be night and day yes now it would actually be fun if we could find a way to combine all of the worst features of all of these into a single mix like a wispy snare with yodeling vocals and <laughs> no low end and boxy guitars that are harsh <laughs> <laughs> that that would be the sickest mix ever maybe on the next mix rescue someone please send that in and and can someone please send us a mix for mix crit monday that isn't metal like i mean critting metal mixes is fun and we love do it and love doing it we all of metal but guys we'd love to hear you know like something else like send us a rock mix or hip-hop or you know like a trap song or something something interesting like every every month only the metal dudes submit like no one else is mixing anything cool it seems like so guys please start sending us songs that are not just chugs and you know blast beats (laughs) chugs and tugs (laughs) yeah i i agree i mean i remember at one point in time some dude sent us a damn rap song like one of the original mixed crib mondays and that was yeah and it was so much fun it was awesome i mean like i opened up my inbox and i'm all excited i'm like okay metal song okay metal song another metal song really come on yeah well the thing is that still not that many people submit for mixed crib monday they're all scared i guess so yeah it should just be said that you know because this is a a talk show and we have to make it sort of entertaining you know we like to have a little bit of fun and we like to joke and have a little bit of a sarcastic sense of humor and uh you know make a big deal of things when sometimes they're not that big of a deal so you know for for those of you that are taking this like really really seriously lighten up relax have a little bit of fun smile it won't hurt you it's like pictures in a book danny it can't hurt you and with that (laughs) and with that We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya. The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by Two Notes Audio Engineering. Two Notes is a leader in the market for Loadbox, Cabinet, and Mic Simulators. Gone are the days of having ISO rooms or having to record an amp at ear-bleeding volumes to capture that magic tone. The Torpedo Live, Reload, and Studio allow you to crank your amp up as loud as you want, but record silently. Check out www.2-notes.com for more info. To ask us questions, make suggestions, and interact, visit nailthemix.com slash podcast and subscribe today.